411 Live. Where you can learn about issues that affect us every day. State of World 411 Live. Real people, real talk. Made to help people in our community in every way. For your girl. Years ago, a friend of mine uh, was looking for a home to buy. Uh, her real estate agent told her about this house she thought she'd really like. The agent contacted the seller. The seller asked that agent, is your client black? And the s- agent said, um, I can't tell you that. And the seller took that as a yes and told her, I do not want to sell my house to a black person. Then the seller hired an agent, and both of them signed an amendment to the uh, listing agreement that excluded my friend's agent from showing that property to anyone. My friend and her agent filed discrimination uh, complaints and um, under the Fair Housing Act. This resulted in a federal lawsuit. My friend was awarded $30,000. Her agent was awarded $5,000. I tell you this story because we're going to be talking about these things. Hello, everybody. I'm Beverly Taylor, and this is the 411 Live. Real people, real talk. We are going to be talking about housing issues, lending, redlining, uh, efforts being done to improve the system. And the person that I picked, we picked, of the 411 Live to talk about this is Bethany Sanchez. Bethany is Senior Administrator of the Fair Lending Program at the Metropolitan Milwaukee Fair Housing Council, and she's also on the board of the National Community Reinvestment Coalition. That's a lot, but you do a lot, so welcome to you. Thank you so much. I'm really glad to be here. You know, important issues. It really is, really, really is. And I was talking about that um, story of what happened to my friend, but someone who is in a similar situation, they're they have a place to go. They can go to the uh, the Fair Lending Pro or the Fair, Fair Housing Council to you, right? Right. Okay. Right. So the Fair Housing Council is a pro- the Fair Housing Council is a private nonprofit organization. We're not a government entity. We're a nonprofit organization that works to increase um, opportunities for people in the housing market and to ensure rights and ensure that people aren't discriminating um, against people of protect in protected classes and that and to encourage integration in the housing market. Um, the Fair Housing Council helps people with fair housing questions and fair housing complaints mm-hmm. related to rental properties, home sale process. So that's realtors, the sellers and others, um, anything in the home loan process. So um, banks, mortgage companies, credit unions, title companies, homeowners insurance, renters insurance and mortgage rescue scams. All of those are are, are covered by the fair housing laws in, uh, at the federal level and also at the state level. So if somebody were to come to you with, you know, this complaint, I, you know, I think I've been discriminated against, what is the cost to the service? Is there a cost for the service? Oh, nothing. We, we don't charge. No, there is no cost for the service. We don't charge anything for 
probably 99% of the things that we do. From time to time, we'll enter into an agreement with a, um, some kind of a housing provider company, um, you know, like, like a realtor, you know, a realty company or, or some other company that, and, uh, and, and it'll be a fee-for-service kind of thing to train their employees or to do monitoring, to do fair housing monitoring of, of their operations and, make, and so that their, their, their lead folks can be confident that their employees aren't going rogue and in, in doing illegal activities behind their backs. Right. Let's um, for the most part, I mean, for the vast majority of what we do, our services are completely free. That's phenomenal. So let's go back to somebody who is suspecting discrimination, that kind of thing. You guys do what? I think it's called the match pair testing. Yeah. So the first the first step is to call and and make a you know talk to the in, intake analyst, and they will um, determine whether. So the question that that will come up and that will need to be determined first is. Is the situation something that is uh, where someone's being treated differently because of their race or their ethnicity or gender or religion or disability or, uh, dis or um, family status or any one of a number of other what they call protected classes? So if they're being treated differently because of one of those things in any aspect of the housing market, um, then we, we, that's when we can help them. So if, if it sounds like they're being treated differently or they're alleging that they're being treated differently, that's when the match paired testing comes into place. And, um, and I, I can't really get into the specifics of how that works, um, but it's, it's sort of like people compare it to a secret shopper. Um, and um, and we, can, we can go out and prove um, that that housing provider, whether it's a banker or a landlord or a seller or a realtor, um, whomever, um, that they're treating you know, whites differently than blacks, right. men differently than women, um, people with disabilities differently than people without disabilities. Bethany, there was um, something that you wrote that I found interesting. You wrote, owning a home offers stability and sustainability. Explain that. Well, when you own a home, you know that your rent's not going to go up. Mm -hmm. I mean, your taxes might go up and often do, um, but, but you know that your rent's not going to go up. You know that you're not going to be arbitrarily kicked out of, of your home. Um, you know that you have the ability to, to, put down roots and, and raise your family in, in the neighborhood that you choose to, to invest in. You know that um, you know, if you want to be close to where your church is or where your job is or where there's parks or good schools, that, that you, know, you, can, you can make those choices. And, and one of the things that I think we're gonna be talking about today is redlining and when redlining sort of narrow, well, not sort of, redlining has narrowed down where those choices are for a big chunk of our population, and, it, and it's illegal. Right. And, you know, it's something that we're working against. And then home ownership, that gives you, um, well, increases your net worth. 
you know, you have yeah. equity in a home and that puts you far above somebody who may be renting, right? Absolutely. When you're renting, that money's just going, going to your landlord every month and it, it puts a roof over your head. Sometimes it's questionable, you know, how good of a roof you've got, mm-hmm. you know, if it's leaking or, or if the, you know, heat's not good or there's, you know, holes in the wall, whatever. Um, but where was I going with that? <laughs> um yeah, building wealth. So, yeah. so you, with your with your home, every every month that you pay on your mortgage, assuming you have a mortgage, most of us need to have a mortgage in order to purchase a house. And need, need to have that loan in order to purchase the house. But every month that you pay on that principal balance on your mortgage, that gives you more equity and more wealth. And for the vast majority of people in this country, black, white, brown, whatever. Um, your home is your major source of your wealth. I know for sure it is for me. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Absolutely. Any net wealth if it weren't for that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I uh, when we were talking earlier, um, I was talking to you about uh, reading this book, The Warmth of Other Suns, The Epic Story of America's Great Migration by Isabel Wilkerson. And your response was, that's a good one, but you should also read The Color of Law. And I will do that. But these books kind of look at the, the history of how things were done and the obstacles that were put into place for you know the protected groups that you were talking about. Can we talk about some of those obstacles from, you know, back then and maybe that we're still seeing now? You mentioned redlining, and that's that's a big one. People hear that that word a lot. I don't know that everybody understands it. Sure. So so going back before redlining even um, took place back in the. um, Well. Yeah, I think it's the 30s. I had mm-hmm. it written down here somewhere. Um, the, the government started building uh, public housing, um, but public housing was for white people that couldn't find um, affordable affordable units anywhere. And people of color were actually, you know, bar- you know, had a barrier and, and weren't able to, to even move into that housing. Um, the redlining came about, started officially, it probably happened more unofficially in the, uh, prior to this, but, but in the early 30s, the FHA, the Federal Housing Administration, actually instituted policies and they mapped um, the biggest cities in the country um, and, and coded those countries, I mean, coded those cities, um, neighborhoods in terms of um, whether it was prudent for banks to and other lenders to lend um, either for mortgages or or even for small business loans, um, but FHA was about about home ownership. So it was uh, basically they were saying, um, "You, Mr. Banker," because at that point it was pretty much just men. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, Mr. Banker, if you choose to make a loan in this neighborhood. Um, the federal government is not going to back that loan. We're not going to we're not going to help you out and and make the conditions better for you. If you go over here in this blue neighborhood, like the east side of Milwaukee, um, yeah, sure, we're we're all about that because there's no people of color living there. But the, the, these red line neighborhoods, or in this case, it was it was not just red line, but it was red blocks of of neighborhoods that. Um, where they said, no, 
um, that this just isn't acceptable. Um, when you look at Milwaukee's map, um, it's it's not too much different from the way you know the demographics of how how um, our neighborhoods show up now. Um, I live in a neighborhood, for example, where in the section called neighborhood composition. So this is, so these maps also had little descriptions for for each of the little neighborhoods. So for my neighborhood, um, in the neighborhood composition, it said laborers and ne'er-do-wells. Um, that was the composition listed for one of the, for my neighborhood. That, that, that's who lived there. Only neighborhoods and people who were ne'er-do-wells. Oh, wow. Um, and in the available of more, availability of mortgage funds uh, in the areas that are redlined, it says none. Also, at the bottom of the page, describing each neighborhood, there's some clarifying remarks. Um, in mine, it said, this is the Negro and slum area of Milwaukee. It is old and very ragged. Besides the colored people, a large number of lower type Jews are moving into this section. Oh, wow. That's what our federal government, that's the kind of comments that they were just making at will and, and it didn't seem problematic to those people, I guess. <laughs> right. So black people are clustered in these red boxes and you know i guess there are well people are trying to keep keep them in that in that space and not move out sure yeah absolutely so you've got the red line neighborhoods but you know red line by the fha and by banks and and um also insurance companies um up until really the 70s i think pretty willy-nilly and maybe even in some cases still now, and we're, you know, we still monitor that um, red line. Um, restrictive covenants. Restrictive covenants are, are illegal and unenforceable, but there are still some on the records in some people's houses that say you may not sell your house to, I don't remember, Negroes, or I forget what the wording that, that's used in some of the more, um, some of the ones from Milwaukee that still are actually on the books, but again, they're unenforceable. But but back then they were enforced. Um, appraisals, you know, that's a that's another big one. If if you, and, you know, going back to the issue of building wealth, you're in your home um, in a red line neighborhood, and and I guess the the good news on the front end is that the it might not cost you as much to to purchase that property, but you're not going to be able to build as much wealth as somebody in in a neighborhood in another part of town in one of the blue neighborhoods or even the yellow neighborhoods where their their property they might have bought in at say a hundred thousand dollars and now with you know over 20 30 more years um, it might be worth four hundred thousand dollars well whereas, somebody bought in to a, a, a red line neighborhood, it generally stays pretty flat or just appreciates a little bit. Um, and and you can't sell it and, and pull some equity out to fund your retirement or or to, you know, to move into a, a, a nursing home, a nursing, you know, or whatever it is to, right. to help your kids through college. Um, all, the, all those opportunities are, lost when your home doesn't doesn't appreciate or when you've been renting all your life man that that's tough 
That is so that is so wrong because you can have a similar house. I'm just thinking a similar house on the east side, a similar house, you know, in this red lined box. They look alike. They have all the, you know, two bathrooms, two and a half baths, whatever, whatever. But this house over here that's in the blue box is so much higher. And then this one in the red line area is so low. And so yeah. that wealth, yeah. that net wealth is it's it's just so unfair. Yeah, it is. It is. And actually, um, there's a group, well, we're looking at a lot of different things, but there's a renewed emphasis on that appraisal issue. Um, just a couple of weeks ago, um, Mr. Drake from the Journal Sentinel um, wrote an article that appeared in the Sunday paper in the business section about, about appraisals. And, and um, he described um, how I had told him about um, appraisals in, in the Johnson, um, uh, Josie Heights neighborhood. Um, they were trying to build, there was vacant land there and people wanted to build there, build a home there, um, but they couldn't get an appraisal um, for a finished property that would, that would support a loan to, to build there because the, the, the loan, you know, the cost of building was higher than the appraised property in the surrounding area, even though this was going to be a brand new house. On the other side, um, there were there was a new house in Brewers Hill that was built on property a couple of years ago, a vacant property. Um, and their lender, and that was with white people, um, and their lender um, and appraiser went all the way over to the east side um, for to get comparables, and and they were able to justify that, you know, that value. Um, and it's you know it's just it's just not fair. No, it's not. You know what? We're going to take a break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk a little bit more about the housing dilemma that we're in. And stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to the 411 Live. I don't think that many kids in my son's school even do it. He makes fun of his friend who vapes. He would never try it. She's in the song. She's on the honor roll. She's just on the table. No way. No way. No way. No way. My kid would never vape. Get your head out of the cloud. Today, nearly 8,000 kids will start vaping. Maybe even yours. Learn about the dangers at talkaboutvaping.org. Emotes say a lot, but they can't say it all. Think your guildmate is struggling? Try these dialogue options. beyond emotes. Check in with your guildmates at seizetheawkward.org. Welcome back to the 411 Live. I am with uh, Bethany Sanchez with the Metropolitan Milwaukee Fair Housing Council. We're talking about lending, housing, um, discriminatory practices, you name it. Bethany, I want to go back to um, some of the things that we were mentioning earlier. I'm just kind of looking at my notes. I know that you're on the board of the National Community Reinvestment Coalition. And I went to that website and saw some really, really good articles. But one thing that 
stood out to me was this mystery shopper test that that, that was done recently. And it looked at those PPP loans, those uh, Paycheck Protection Program loans, and looking at how they were being right. distributed um, based on race and um, during this, this COVID uh, period that we're in. And they found some interesting things. I mean, even in that, uh, we see discrimination in, you know, uh, what they would tell people about it, the information that they would give, that kind of thing. Are you surprised by that? No, unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, I'm disgusted by it, but I'm not surprised. Um, NCRC was actually doing um, mystery, sir, sir, uh, mystery uh, shopper testing or match paired testing um, for small businesses even prior to the pandemic and prior to the PPP program, mm -hmm. but but we have um, doubled down and, and testing around the country in, in uh, several different markets. And really tens of thousands of minority owned small businesses across the country were among the last to receive those PPP loans. Now I will say that the, the government now in their current round, instead of asking like way at the bottom of the application for the race or um, you know, other demographics of the, of the owner, now it's up at the top and there's some kind of a systematic way for that to collect that information so that regulators can look at um, you know, and those look at those disparities more easily and hopefully um, prevent them. But um, NCRC's uh, mystery shopping study between April and late May, so it was a relatively small part, but but it was backed up by by others who were doing similar things. Um, they NCRC found that white borrowers were given far better treatment mm. and leniency at 13 out of the 17 banks that they that they tested. That's, that's, oh, wow. That's, that's unbelievable. I, well, I, I guess I shouldn't say it's unbelievable, but um, it's just not fair. It's just not no, fair. It's not. Um, a landlord was quoted as saying he was attracted to Milwaukee because he saw a market where rent was high compared to low property costs. So we have really high rent and a lot of low-income people having to rent, paying exorbitant amounts, taking up a great percentage of their paycheck. And um, what's being done about that? We don't have a cap. No, no, there's no cap for rents in Wisconsin. There's no, or anywhere that I'm aware of, but um, the, there's also in Wisconsin, as opposed to some other states, there's no cap on how much a landlord can increase your rent at any given point. Um, so it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a land, it's slanted towards the landlords for sure. You know, there's a recent study out of, um, out of a organization from Detroit that that really showed um, that discrepancy between the, the price that um, the, the value of houses in neighborhoods of color versus the amount of, of uh, rent that's being charged and, and extracted from those neighborhoods. And um, again, it's it's not it's not fair. Yeah. Um, and uh, and really, for a solution, we need. 
programs like this and you know 100 more programs like this to really lift up these issues and help people understand what's going on in our neighborhoods and and take back the neighborhoods and and you know purchase figure help help people to figure out that if you're paying $1200 a month for rent or more in a lot of cases um, if, if you've got a decent credit record, um, you can probably get some down payment assistance and you can probably buy a house and save a fair amount of money every month and be building wealth for yourself and for your family. Um, and, uh, and so we need to help people to do that. We need more credit counseling agencies to help people understand how to clean up their credit if it is, if it is impaired and, and has some dings on it. Um, it is possible to do that, and um, I and I would recommend any of your listeners to check with RiverWorks Development. Um, they um, have uh, one that that's where I make my referrals in terms of that kind of work. There, we also um, need more support for our housing counseling agencies. Yes. Um, in Milwaukee, Housing Resources Incorporated is the biggest full serve service housing counseling agency. So they help people to clean up their credit also, um, although that's not their major focus, but if that's what the borrower or potential borrower needs, they'll help with that. And then they'll help them to understand the, the process of home buying and um, help them understand what's legal, what's not, what their options are and, and hold their hand through the process. They also help people who are already homeowners with things like their tool loan center or help them to um, access a, a home improvement loan. And for people who are in default or concerned about going into default or foreclosure, um, they also have programs and, and staff on, um, on call waiting to help you out. And, and I will say it's important to note on that foreclosure part, um, they recently received um, a contract with the city of, I mean, with Milwaukee County to provide grants to people, to homeowners whose loans were in default because of um, low income homeowners who, mm -hmm. whose loans are in default because of COVID. Um, and it's not even a loan, it's a grant. They would bring you back up to current rate. Now you can only get one of these. So if, if your loan is permanent, I mean, if your income is permanently reduced and you're not going to be able to pay, make those payments in the future, well, that'll get, it'll buy you some time, but, but you need to be able to, you know, going forward, pay, pay that loan. Right. But anyway, I just wanted to be sure and get that in. I'm glad you did. And one of the big things too, I think, is just letting people know that home ownership is possible because there are some people who think, well, it's not for me, you know, I can't get it. But it's possible. Right. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about Opportunity MKE. Opportunity MKE is the Fair Housing Council's newest program, and it's a program that works to to help, um, as you were just saying, help people understand what's possible in terms of where you live. Um, if you and it's directed towards uh, people with Section Eight housing vouchers. Um, who and it and folks who are eligible are um, they have at least one child uh, at least one child uh, and uh, and they have a voucher from either 
the Housing Authority of the City of Milwaukee, the Housing Authority for Milwaukee County, or the Housing Authority for Waukesha County. And if, and if you live in either Milwaukee County or Waukesha County and have a housing voucher, and you're interested in finding out about op, uh, neighborhoods where there's more opportunities for you to work, let's say, um, and be closer to your work, or for your children to have good schools or parks or um, you know, any number of opportunities, but, but it helps folks to understand different neighborhoods than they might be familiar with and helps them to explore it. And in, in many cases um, might help with an actual um, uh, security deposit to, to land one of the units in one of those neighborhoods in an opportunity neighborhood. And there's, and again, no charge for our services. Very good. Bethany, as we've been talking, uh, the your organization covers so much and we've just kind of scratch the surface a little bit of, on it. Um, a lot of people can really, really benefit from the, from the things that you guys do. Do you feel like a lot of people don't know about your services? I do. I do. And that's why we need, you know, a hundred more the four one ones. We need help because we're a small organization. We used to have someone whose job it was, that was dedicated to doing outreach and education. She was the outreach, in this case, it was always since I've been there, it's she has mm -hmm. been the outreach and education person. But uh, about a year ago, um, funding, she left to take another job. And actually, as it worked out, um, funding cuts made it so it was hard for us to re even put replacement. So the rest of us are trying to fill in and, and do that job. But you know, it's a big job and, and we reach out to whom, whoever is interested in hearing, you know, about how we can help, how they can get engaged and help themselves, you know, whether it's your block club or your church or your sorority or, or uh, your professional organization. Um, what else, who else do we, basically anybody that reaches out and is interested in hearing you know what's available. We we all want to figure out a way to connect and and make that presentation. Right now, it'd be virtually, but um, hopefully, in the within the next year, we'll be able to start doing in person presentations again. Okay, let's put out again how they would reach you. Um, well, the, how they would re well the the Fair Housing Council's phone number is four one four two seven eight one two four zero. 278-1240. Um, right now we're all virtual still. Um, but if you but that that line is being monitored and, and messages are being retrieved from it three or four times a day. And so people will get back to you ASAP. Um, if you want to talk to me directly, um, I can give you my email address. Um, I'll just put it out there. I, I invite emails and, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Uh, it's B for Bethany, and then my last name, Sanchez, S-A-N-C-H-E-Z. So B Sanchez at fairhousingwisconsin.com. And fair housing and all of Wisconsin is it's all spelled out, dot com. Very good. Uh, and uh, I'm the fair lending director. Uh, so if you have a, if you have a, 
complaint um, about rental properties or really if you have a, a fair housing complaint it's best to start with the phone number and the intake analyst will call you back and have a conversation and, and then go from there um, but if you want to talk about issues in the home lending market um, feel free to that would probably be best to start with me because or you could call and leave a message for me and and um, and I'll get back to you by phone all right Bethany Sanchez, thank you so much for joining us and giving us uh, a little education about what you do and what's out there for us. We really thank appreciate it. I appreciate being asked to be here. Sure. And um, you know, I'd love to follow up with a, with a part two. You know, we didn't even talk about CRA or what individuals can do. And um, you know, I'd love to have that conversation. Sounds good, we'll have to do that. Thank you again, Bethany Sanchez, Senior Administrator of the Fair Lending Program of the Metropolitan Milwaukee Fair Housing Council. And I should mention again that she's on the board of the National Community Reinvestment Coalition. Thank you again for joining us. And thank you for joining us for another edition of the 411 Live. Another reminder, we are a nonprofit organization. So if you're so inclined to donate, sponsor, um, go to our website, the411live.org. Until next time, I'm Beverly Taylor, and this is the 411 Live. If you would like to check out past episodes, there are many ways. Go to your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Like and watch us on Facebook. Watch and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you have suggestions for future episodes, go to our website, the411live.org.